Sean, man, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Um, yeah? Yeah, kids in college. My daughter, she's at Clemson, getting ready to start her junior year. My son is graduating, almost out the house, oh, baby. Nice. So, yeah, th things are going really good. Yeah, marriage I, I can, Marriage is amazing. Uh, I cannot complain. That's good. I've been doing good, man. Um, but uh, if you had asked me this about six, seven years ago, I probably would have tried to give you the same answer. Yeah, I'm doing good and marriage is great, but man, really, honestly, it, it just wasn't. I remember sitting in a parking lot one day. It was probably about three o'clock in the morning, just trying to figure out how I'm gonna leave my wife. How, how do I find a new apartment? Um, how do I separate with the kids and all? We just, there just was a lot of tension in the house. You know, finances, we were arguing about things with the kids. And just to be honest, got tired of it. I got, I got tired of being the one who was wrong and the one who was the punching bag. And um, I was looking for an escape route. I was looking for a way to, to get up out of there. When you were in like the, the darkest times in your marriage, what, what, did you enlist other, others for help? Or what did, you do to, what did you do to reach out? That's a, a, a good question. Um, one of the main things that we did was um, seek out counseling. I know, I know it has a negative stigmatism and people don't you know, like to talk about, oh, going to marriage counseling is, is for weird people. They don't work and they don't know what they're talking about. And I would tell you they do. They, they came alongside my wife and I and gave us tools. They gave us resources. They gave us help when um, we didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I will admit like, there was a couple of things that the counselor had said one time, and I was like, man, that's, that's got to be dumb. But I actually tried them, <laughs> and they worked. Like, they were helpful. Um, my wife even was like, you know, when you said whatever, I really appreciate it. And it keyed in my brain, like, hey, these guys really know what they're talking about. They, wow. they do have yeah. resources to help. And so I was so appreciative of that. And um, like I said, been married 22 years, coming up in August. And every now and then, we still check in with a counselor. I mean, and things have been going so much better. But yeah. we still check in because I realize it's that important to keeping our marriage together and keeping things running on track. Chris, I mean, you and I have talked about these sorts of things just because we're friends. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it is just, I think you feel the same way. It's just so helpful just to talk and just to get it out, you Absolutely. know, just to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. I think anytime you can sit down, uh, whether it's in a small group or in any kind of context where, you, where that trust is built, it just, you just feel like a weight gets lifted just by sharing, just by saying, hey, this is going on. And whether somebody says, man, I'm going through the same thing, or they put a hand on your shoulder and say, man, uh, I, I'm with you in this, it, it, means, it means everything. It means, it means the world. Well, good morning. Great to see everybody. Welcome to Seacoast Church. Uh, I am Josh Surratt. And I am super excited to be with all of you, be with our campuses and those of you online this weekend, uh, because I get to have my better half, uh, Lisa, with me today. So y'all welcome Lisa as she joins me for the message. Well, it is an honor to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today about marriage. And you know, we have been in a series called I'm Fine, 
Not really. How many of you have ever asked, had somebody ask you, how you doing? And you said, I'm fine. And it really not be true. Oh yeah, right? Well, we've covered some tough topics. We've talked a lot about mental health and anxiety, addiction, depression. We covered some, some tough topics and I love that we are willing to go there, you know, because um, so many times I think uh, the church um, will sometimes respond wrong to, to the mental health issue, right? There's a stigma attached there and, and you know, let me just say this. If there is a church that believes in supernatural healing from an almighty God, it's this one. Right. We have witnessed it firsthand. But sometimes God chooses to heal through doctors. And so sometimes, um, you know, if you have a heart attack, you're going to go see a, see a doctor. And so we want to try to detach that stigma from mental health and say, if you're struggling with mental health, then get some help. We want to help you, um, you know, figure out counseling and, and resources. And so this week we have an opportunity to talk about marriage. And so, and as uh, Pastor Adam told you, this is a PG-13 uh, conversation. So if you came in late and your kids are in here, I just encourage you to uh, just check out our Kids Coast ministry. Um, otherwise, you're going to have some fun conversations on the way home. That's right. That's right. And hey, listen, I want to talk to the single people in the house for a minute. One, uh, I would say 90% of this message is going to apply to you, to the relationships that you deal with as well. Uh, there's a percentage that won't. We'll let you know when we get there. Uh, but also, you know, uh, many of you plan... <laughs> Uh, many of you plan to, to be married one day, right? And so I would just say, man, take this as a great opportunity to, to take some notes and to jump in. But man, we're, we're super excited. By the way, Lisa and I celebrate 20 years of marriage on Wednesday of this week. So let's go. Um, crazy. I cannot believe that. Uh, so we were really young. She was 20 years old when we got married. So this year is a, the big 4-0 and 20 years of marriage. And so but, but I want to I wanna tell you about, sort of set up our topic today and how we want to approach it uh, by telling you that a couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to take batting practice from a major league baseball pitcher. Uh, for some reason, this is Zach Duke. Uh, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you may remember him. He was an all-star pitcher. He just retired last year. And uh, we went, some friends, mutual friends are in small group with him. And so we went to his place in Tennessee and he thought it'd be fun to take a bunch of non-athletes and throw batting practice to it, uh, us. And it was just as fun. What he would do though, I got up into the box and I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my abilities and I'm feeling pretty good. And he, the ball comes out of his hand and it's coming directly to my chest right here. I mean, it's coming and it's coming fast. And so what do I do? I'm smart. I, I'm getting out of the way. Well, he threw what's called a two seam fastball, which means it slides back over the plate after it looks like it's going to hit you in the chest. This is why I never played baseball growing up. And so, so I'm in the batter's box. I'm feeling good. Pitch comes, I'm like, oh my God. Oh. And so I'm backing up and then I'm like, oh wait, it's coming back in. And so, so I'm swinging as I'm leaning away. How I many you know that is not a good way to make contact? You're not gonna do well when you're leaning away. I will say this, I did figure him out. Zach, I figured you out and I learned to lean into it. And I'm the only one of the entire group that did hit what I would consider a line drive. He would not consider a line drive off of him. But, but he, here's the deal. When you're trying to hit a fastball, you cannot do your job well if you're leaning away. You just can't. You gotta lean into it. And if you know sports, there's a lot of different metaphors that if you're leaning in the wrong direction, then you're not gonna do well at what you're supposed to do. And here's what I would propose to you. The same is true in our marriage. 
The same is true in our marriage. And so we, we've walked with lots of couples. We've been married 20 years ourselves and, uh, and, and been through many seasons where we were leaning away from each other, where normally things that wouldn't cause problems cause much bigger problems when you're leaning away. I'm going to put the bat down right now because we're talking about marriage. I don't want that to come across the wrong way. Um, but, but, but the reality is that marriages fall apart in all kinds of different ways, right? And everybody has a story and many of us are here today and, and we're on any, any place on the spectrum of maybe leaning in or maybe you've been leaning away for a little bit. Maybe it's gotten really complicated with some really hard things. And the good news, this series, I'm fine, not really, it doesn't matter where you are on that continuum. You're not alone. Uh, and there's help for you. There's help for you. But what I've found is that if we'll address the problem early on at this place where we are leaning away, by the way, we we've leaned away this year. It's very normal. If you're married long enough, you're going to go through a season where you go, I think we're, I think we're kind of leaning away right now. Let's, let's talk about that. And it's not just a baseball metaphor. It actually comes straight out of scripture. And it's a verse that we use all the time in premarital counseling. Uh, but, but we usually stop talking about it after that. And, and it's Genesis chapter two, verse 24. Here's what it says. This is God's plan for us. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And we talk about this in premarital counseling, but this is a life long journey. We're leaving our father and mother. Sometimes we're leaving our, our employment. We're leaving our hobbies. Not that those are bad things. And we're learning to cleave to each other. How many of you use that word on a regular basis? Like cleave, you know, hey babe, let's cleave. Like, no. <laughs> Sounds um, good. You got to finish this <laughs> message, but I'm game if you are. Oh Lord, here we go. Okay. Um, well, so cleave is kind of an interesting, it's an interesting word. Um, you know, you have synonyms, you have antonyms, and then you have something called contronyms. And a contronym basically means that the word has two very opposite meanings. And so the first meaning is what we think about, to adhere firmly, closely, loyally, unwaveringly, which I believe is God's design for cleave. And then the opposite word is, uh, means uh, to separate into distinct parts, especially into groups having divergent views. How many of you know that's the world and the enemy's plan for marriage? It's to divide. And let me just tell you that the enemy is not for you. I don't know if you heard that. The enemy is not for you. He's not for your marriage. He is all about making your marriage fall apart. He wants to pull you apart. Um, don't settle. Don't settle for just coexisting and, and cohabitating. God doesn't want you to just have a good marriage. He wants you to have a great marriage. That's right. That's right. And sometimes like the, the word cleave, you know, it's, it means two different things. Marriage can feel like that, can it? Like we're saying the same thing, but we're not on the same page. We're living together, but we feel very alone. And so we're going to help you today learn to lean into each other. Here's what I'm gonna do at first. If you are married and you're sitting next to the person that you're married with, right now, I want you to lean away from them. Just do that for me. Lean, lean away. Now kind of look at them from that plate, like just kind of lean away. You feel that? Now I want you to lean in towards them. Maybe you grab a hand. If you're single and you don't know the person next to you, don't, don't do this exercise right now. <laughs> so you, you lean in. You know, 
it feels different, doesn't it? Can you feel the difference? And so we want to help you to lean. And it's an acronym because I'm a preacher and we love to do acronyms. And so the L for lean, this is our first point today, is to lean in to God, to lean in to God. No one's going to be surprised by that. Uh, we're in church, but here's what I want to encourage you. If you're going to lean into your spouse, it's going to start the best way to do that. It was God's idea, by the way, marriage. This was his whole design. It's one of the, the very few things, institutions that we still do today that God started and God established it. And so as we lean into him, he's going to help us learn how to lean in to each other. And I, I love Ecclesiastes 4.12, again, a, a wedding verse. You know, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And it says a cord of strands is not quickly broken. If you think of a triangle, right? If you and your spouse are on either end of the bottom of the triangle, God is on the top. And it's a very simple metaphor. But as we both move towards God, he's going to help us move towards each other. So if we're going to lean into each other, we got to learn how to lean in to God. And sometimes our marriages can feel a lot like the letter that Jesus wrote to the church at Ephesus in Revelations. You remember that? He, he, said, he said, but I have this one complaint. He talks about all these good things. You know, you guys are taking care of the kids. You guys are doing a good job with your careers, that you, you got that house and things are going well. And, and that's not what he said in Ephesus, but this is my paraphrase. He says, but I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You've lost your first love. And, and I love that he said, you don't love me or each other because the, 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 the summed up purpose of the Bible, right? Jesus said that the greatest commandment is that you love God and you love each other. And when you do one, you're going to do the other. The closer we get to, to God, when we learn how to receive his love, it's going to help us to love each other. John 15, 12, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for each other. That as you receive my love, as I've loved you, as I've shown you how to, how, to, how to walk this life together, do that for each other and do it for your spouse. And so I just want to encourage you in this. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, medicine and doctors and all of this stuff that is super important in all of these issues. But man, the presence of God can do so much for your marriage. I can remember one night after a very hard season that we'll talk about in a few minutes in our marriage, we were at a first Wednesday and both of us, it was like, God just spoke to us. And it was like, it's all, all he said is it's time. It's time to, to be healed from this. And so I remember going home from this experience in God's presence. And we wrote down some things that we've been dealing with mistrust, mm -hmm. you know, unforgiveness, uh, bitterness. And we wrote them down on a piece of paper. We went out in our backyard. This is at like 10 o'clock at night. I hope our neighbors didn't see because they would have thought we were burying a dead body because we dug a hole in our backyard <laughs> and we put these things in the hole and we buried them. And it was like God just sort of ended this season of our marriage. And it was so, so helpful. So we got to lean into each other. And, and let me just say this, because I know there are some of us that are here today. Maybe you're at a campus and, and your spouse isn't leaning into God right now. And I know that can be challenging. It's like, man, I'm trying to, but my spouse doesn't want anything to do with this. Here's what I would say. The more that you lean into God and the more that you receive his love, the, the better you're going to be able to show that love 
to your spouse. I think about Sam and Joan Lesky. Sam is, uh, he started our dream center here at Seacoast. He gives oversight to all of our campus pastors. And when they came to Charleston, they did not know Jesus from page three. They had no idea who God was, didn't have a background in that. And Joan somehow gets connected with some women in our church. And she joins a small group called the power of a praying wife. And, and her husband's making fun of her. Sammy's making fun of her. What are you doing? Doing this Jesus stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she just starts going to small groups. She gives her life to Christ and she starts attending faithfully. This didn't happen overnight. And eventually Sam would tell you, he would go, man, all of a sudden, <laughs> Joan started acting different. I'm like, who is this woman? She's like serving me and she's speaking kind words to me. And, and, and her love for God and her receiving the love of God stood out to him. And it wasn't long before he lost a bet with her, came to Seacoast, and you know, all of a sudden he's uh, leading in our church in significant ways. So, so your spouse may not be following God. I understand that. That can be a challenging, challenging season, but you can only control you. And even in, in healthy marriages, don't be like forcing your spouse to lean into God. You lean into God. You encourage, have conversations about that. And as we lean into God, we're going to find ourselves leaning in to each other. That's right. Well, okay, so lean. We have lean into God. The E is for enjoy each other. Enjoy each other. That is so God's design. You know, how many of you um, know that it's easy to drift from dating and the wedding and this amazing honeymoon to jobs and house projects and kids and suddenly you're like, who are you? I don't, I don't remember you. Um, I, I cannot stress this enough. God designed us to be able to enjoy each other. I love the verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of times we think about treasure as money, but for me, for many of us, time is an indispensable treasure. And if we do not use that time, if we aren't intentional to spend time investing in our marriage, spending time together, it's going to atrophy. Anything that you just leave sitting is going to deteriorate over time. And so here's a little, just some practical tips, three Ds. Three Ds that we use to help keep us connected, keep us investing time into our marriage. The first one is dialogue daily. Every day, we're going to sit down. Yep, we've got soccer practice. We've got gymnastics. We've got all the things going on, but we are going to find a few minutes to just say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? So dialogue daily. The second one is date night. If you know me, if you are close to me, this is a non-negotiable in my house. Okay, you know that feeling you have when you're getting ready to go on a vacation? You're like, just the anticipation, you can't wait, you're so excited to unplug. Friends, you can have many vacations every week called date night. (laughs) And I have anticipation for it all week long. The kids are fighting, yep, they're fighting, but date night's coming. (laughs) Don't miss this. Enjoy each other. Go on bike rides. Do Find the things that you love to do together. Josh and I love good food. I am a foodie. I love to eat. And Charleston is heaven for those who like to eat. And so 
we look up and we, we go, we, we scout out restaurants and we go and we try new food. And so whatever you love to do together, do it, find a way. Um, I will say, just shameless plug here for small groups, when we were young and broke and married, we didn't have money for babysitters. And so um, we had an awesome small group and we would trade off babysitting and sometimes date night looked like a picnic blanket on the beach with some peanut butter and jelly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not about what you do. It's about that you do it, that you take the time to spend investing That's in your good. marriage. That's good. And let me just say, sorry to cut you off, babe, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so I can't afford date night right now. I can't. You know what? Date night's a lot cheaper than divorce. Uh, there's some testimonies on that, right? It's a lot cheaper. And and your treasure is going to lead you to, to where your heart is. And so if you're not making any investments in each other and dating each other, then, then it's, it's, it, you're going to find yourself leaning away. You're going to find yourself kind of leaning away and not even really knowing why. And so the financial thing is a big, and we hear that all the time. We just can't afford date night. You can afford date night. Get in a small group and unapologetically say, who's watching my kids this coming Friday? Because we're going to the beach. You know, we're going to go do something. Again, it doesn't have to be a ton of money, but, but please make this investment. And when Lisa, like occasionally we do stuff on Friday night or we make plans, it's like, I don't even have, she doesn't have to ask the question anymore because it's coming. So when's date night? If it's not Friday, when is it going to be? You know, right. let's get the calendar out. You tell me, Josh, when is it going to be? Because it's I'm okay it's a to come to a wedding on Friday night, but when's date night? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, Okay, so dialogue daily, date night weekly. The third one is depart quarterly. Depart quarterly. If you go away with your spouse and you leave all the stress behind, suddenly you are like, oh yeah, I like you. I forgot. Um, so take the time to invest. And sometimes that looks like, hey, I have three kids and we are, they're going to different friends' houses. They're going to go stay at grandma's. Whatever they're, we're going to find a time. And so it may be a staycation, a, a night where it's just the two of us, you know, whatever. But just take the time. The time is what is so important. You've got to invest time into your relationship. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, we do all kinds of stuff. I have found that, especially with the Dialogue Daily uh, and I, I'm not going to speak for all the men here because uh, I'm going to stereotype you guys, but sometimes it can be hard for us to sit down at a table looking at each other in the eyes. Not for me. Having a meaningful conversation. If I know where it's going, I'm, I'm game. But so what I found and, and just listen, stay with me here. We'll do bike rides. We'll go walk the dogs together. And for some reason, us walking, moving side by side, it's not always staring at each other, but we're obviously engaging with each other the conversation tends to flow a little bit more free, freely. So if you feel like sitting on the couch is a little bit stale or stiff, that's fine. Go on a walk, do something, go for a drive, uh, do something that kind of changes things up, but, but it's a chance to go, hey, what was your high today? What was your low? Where are you at? You know, what's, how you doing? And so love that number. Th let's go to the next one. A, A. So we're going to lean into God. We're going to enjoy each other. This is where it's not as much fun. You got to address the issues. If as a married couple, we're going to lean into each other. That means that we're going to have to address the issues that come up. And this is not natural for me. Uh, my personality, I'm like, hey, 
Have you seen so-and-so's marriage? There's worse than ours. We don't have to deal with it. You know, it's not a big deal. You know, we don't have to deal with this. Uh, but, but, but thankfully, Lisa, and just the way that God has wired her, it's like, man, if there's a pee under the pillow, uh, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to kind of work through it. And, and we've got to learn that how, to, how to address the issues. And the longer we take to address the issues, the harder they are to address, right? Because we all know that, right? If you, if you ignore something long enough, it doesn't go away. It grows. It grows. Uh, think about the weeds in your yard. If you ignore them long enough, all of a sudden you got a jungle out there. And the same thing is true with the issues. The big issues, the small issues become big issues. And, and the Bible gives us all kinds of instruction on this. I love Ephesians 4, uh, just a, a great verse. It actually messed us up early on in our marriage. Uh, but I love the way the message version says it. It says, go ahead and be angry. Come on, somebody. Like, go ahead and be angry. That's just freedom, right? Go ahead and be, don't act like you're not mad. Stop walking away and stuffing it. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. That's the key. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of a foothold in your life. In other words, when we decide I'm not going to address the issues, I'm going to stay mad. We are saying to Satan, hey, come on in my house. Come on in my marriage. I'd love for you to sleep in the bed between my wife and I. We're giving him a foothold. We're giving him a place to, to dig deep and to create division where God has called us to, to what? To cleave, to, to have unity with each other. And so we got to be willing to address the issues. And that's why I love the series that we're in, that we can go, you know what? I'm not really fine. And, and one of the loneliest places to not be fine, but acting like it is, is in a relationship, in a marriage. You're showing up to small group and acting like everything's okay. And man, that, that was us. That was us for a long time. It's been us since then at different places. We've dealt with lots of issues. But I think it's important that we talk about uh, one that I want to just kind of share with you. Early on in our marriage, actually before I met Lisa, uh, I, I had a problem with pornography. I had what I would say in hindsight looking at it, it was an addiction to pornography. And, and as a single man, I thought, I'm going to deal with this on my own. I, I hate it. This is not something I want, but I'm going to kind of figure this thing out. And then at some point, I thought, maybe when I get married, this is going to go away because you know, I'm trying to do my best to live in purity. But, but I, maybe when I get married, this thing's going to go away. But, but it didn't. In fact, it, just like any other issue, the longer you leave it alone and don't address it, the worse it gets. Until a couple years into our marriage, it it, it came up and, and, and it was bad. Lisa discovered it and it was a betrayal of her trust and it was a, just a really, really hard season. I had been lying to her. I'd never told her about this. I'd kind of talked vaguely about, yeah, you know, like every guy, I deal with lust, but the Lord's helping me through it and, you know, we're, we're making it. And, and, and here we find ourselves just in a really, really tough place where this issue that had been unaddressed for a really long time, all of a sudden, it's... It's here and it's causing havoc. And we tried to deal with it alone for a while, like tried to weeks of just, you know, man, let's try to figure this thing out on our own. And I remember one night, it was a Friday night. We were trying to work this thing out. We we're fighting. She had left, taken a walk around the neighborhood. I had to like get in the car and chase her down. But it was just a bad, bad spot for us. I remember calling Jerry McSwain, who was one of our pastors at the time, at about seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. And just as soon as he answered the phone, he knew. I was in a bad spot, and I was like, Jerry, I need, we need help. We don't know who else to call. And he said, come on over, come on over. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, having not slept that night, just in a really, like, we're not really fine moment, we showed up at Jerry and Lamex Wayne's house. And you know what happened? 
we didn't get the issue fully resolved in that moment. We were there for hours. I think we had breakfast and lunch with them that day, but we left with hope. We left with, hey, you know what? That you're going to get through. We're going to help you get through this. God is going to help you get through this. And, and it was when we were finally brave enough to go, you know what? This is my issue. This is my issue. Can somebody help us get through this? God began to restore. And it was about two or three years later that we had that moment in the backyard, digging the, the hole and burying some of those things. It was a journey. It was accountability. It was counseling. It was uh, continuing to, to get honest with each other. But God helped us through when we chose to address our issues. And here's what I'll say about that. And Lisa, you can attest to this. It's a lot easier when you learn how to address your issues with God first and then each other. Not that you ignore them, but Lisa, especially, especially in all that hurt and pain that I caused you, uh, yeah. you, you filled up some journals. <laughs> a lot of journals. <laughs> um, and I have more at home. Um, but and I haven't that read season, those because she says bad things about me to God <laughs> in those journals. That season um, of, of, our, of our marriage was, um, honestly, I look back at it and I think it was the hardest, one of the most difficult seasons of our life. But would I do it over again? 100%. 100%. And the reason why is because when we were willing to pull the weeds, we were really willing to uproot the things that had, the, the trash that had built up in our hearts, the things, the sin that was just, just destroying us, um, the, the thing that was keeping us from truly knowing each other, from yeah. truly spiritually connecting, when there was things hidden, we, would, we were never experiencing true intimacy the way God designed yeah. it. And so I really struggled, okay? I, I want, the, especially anyone in here who has had you know, this challenge, a struggle of addiction to pornography in your marriage, it, it's wrecking, it is. I can't imagine doing it without my relationship with the Lord. I can't imagine. I was in school, I was at MUSC, I was carrying around a thousand books in my bag, and every day I would ask, what books am I leaving at home so that I can carry my journal and my Bible with me? Because it was such a lifeline to me. Because I realized I had put him on a pedestal, I had expected things for him to fill me in ways that he couldn't, that only God could. And I had this idea that he was, you know, he, he would never do, do things to me. Well, the reality is in marriage, we are gonna hurt each other to the point in which, like you, you consider divorce, right? And that's, that, and by the way, that's, that word's not allowed in our house. We do not use that word in our house. Um, but I cannot stress to you enough, God wants to know your heart. He wants to help you heal. He wants to help your marriage. He wants to help you process and then take the things that he helps you process and go to your spouse. And so taking the time to just write out prayers. This is all prayers. God, help me see him the way that you see him. Help me heal. Help me love him despite how angry I am. All the things God loves us so much individually, yeah. and we have got to chase after him relentlessly, and he will fill you up 
And all of a sudden, the marriage becomes balanced. Yeah. What I love too is because she went here first, she still came to me with the issues, but she came from a different place. Uh, she went to God and the, the raw anger, and she came to me with still the hurt, but she came to me having been in God's presence first. And it was honestly, it was such a gift. And so, uh, so address the issues, and we're here to help you with that, by the way. Uh, if you're going through a really hard time right now in your marriage, we just ask you to text <laughs> FINE uh, to the, the number 320320. If you text the word FINE to 320320, we will help you with counselors. We still do counseling. Uh, we, we, you need counseling, okay? Does your car need oil? Yes, you need counseling. And so we do counseling, but text the word FINE to 320320, especially if you're in a really hard spot. We've got re-engage at many of our campuses and lots of opportunities, but address the issues. Lean into each other, lean into God, uh, enjoy each other, address the issues. Here's the good part. N, it's kind of cheesy, but is going to stand for intimacy. Intimacy. Come on. <laughs> I talked with the band and uh, we just wanted to create an environment. Okay, you can stop, you can stop. <laughs> I don't want things to get too crazy up here in church. <laughs> Come on, somebody, intimacy. Let's talk about sex. Oh, of course, I got the wonderful task of talking about sex in front of a few thousand of my closest friends. Oh, and by the way, my in-laws, my, my parents, it's great. This is 40. Um, okay, oh God, Lord help me. Well, here's the reality. The reality is the enemy does not want us to talk about sex. He would much rather that the world talk to you about sex He'd much rather the world teach your kids about sex. And so we're doing it, friends, because God's plan for sex is far better than the world's plan for sex. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, well, let me back up. I believe the enemy wants us to believe that sex within marriage is mundane and boring. How many of you have read the Song of Solomon? The romance, the intimacy, the sex, it's steamy. <laughs> I believe that God has the very best. I believe God designed sex as a gift for us. And you know, it's interesting, throughout the Bible, there's kind of a biblical sexual ethic and, and it's about disrobing one another to come close. There's a nakedness that brings us closer together. The Bible says Adam knew Eve. You know, closeness that, occur, that, that occurs only when it's preceded by exposure and vulnerability. And when we expose our hearts, when we emotionally disrobe, we're promoting a closeness and an intimacy that God designed. And if we want closeness, Unfortunately, it demands vulnerability. But at the same time, hear me when I say, intimacy is very complex. It is very complex. It, inti intimacy is not just physical, it's spiritual and it's emotional. And the enemy has often messed this part up in our lives. Some have experienced abuse, maybe a betrayal, struggling with mistrust, so I don't make light of any of that. 
We take that really seriously. But I do believe that God can bring healing. And I do believe that God can restore intimacy in your marriage. And I love, um, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide it for a balanced, fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Can you say that again? In a world full of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of absence, only pr providing my best counsel if you choose, should choose them. Here's my challenge to you. The world is after you in this area. He does not want you to have good intimacy in your marriage. Let me encourage you, let me challenge you, both the men and the women in this room, don't send your man or your woman out hungry, emotionally, physically. God designed for you to not abstain from sex in your marriage. And so don't send, don't send your spouse out hungry for an emotional connection. That's where the enemy can get in. That's where the enemy can bring division. Don't send your, your husband or your wife out physically hungry, not, not having, um, because there's no, there, you're not having intimacy in your marriage. God designed us to connect. God designed for us to, to be intimate with one person. And so I just wanna encourage you, don't let the enemy cheat you out of a gift that God gave you. Yeah. And by the way, this is not a license, this is not an excuse for cheating or, or for pornography if intimacy is not happening in your marriage. That is not an excuse. Yep. Go after true intimacy with your spouse the way God designed it. And I, well, there's a couple of books that I would recommend. Um, one is called 31 Days to Great Sex. Things you never thought you'd say Let's on go. stage. Let's go. Mother's Day's <laughs> next week, guys. Mother's Day's next week. You're going to want to get this one for your, for your lady. Things you thought you'd never say on stage. But let me just say this. This book is not just about physical intimacy. This book is about addressing the spiritual connection, the, the emotional connection, and the physical connection. And it addresses how do you walk through um, pornography addiction? How do you restore some trust? How do you, and it's 31 days of challenge. It's questions. It's, it's you take, being intentional that, and spending that time asking each other hard questions that's going to take you to a whole new level of intimacy. That's good. And we so, just gave you 31 days of your dialogue daily. You know, it can be a framework for you. And by the way, it doesn't have to happen in 31 days. But just FYI. <laughs> um, and then the next book um, is called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, Timothy Keller. And um, this covers a variety, this is 
from beginning to end all about marriage, including intimacy yeah. and sex. Yeah. That's awesome. So bottom line is this, and this is like, again, I, I don't want to be crass about it, but I believe that the best sex that's happening in the world should be happening among Christian marriages. Think about this. God, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are hanging out in heaven one day before they, they created man, and, and, and one of them's like, oh, I got a good idea. I've got a great idea. Man, Adam's going to love this. This is, this is created for our enjoyment, and yet for some reason, because maybe growing up, all you ever heard was, no, wait, stop, don't, uh, and right, and that's important as we're talking to, to kids and teenagers and, and single adults about it. There's, there's self-discipline, but man, we can go into marriage with this mindset of, it's bad, it's negative, it's sinful, and there are wounds, and we understand that, but it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. There are Christian sex therapists that can help you. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine who was seeing a Chris, Christian sex therapist, and we happened to be on a hike together, and I was like, dude, give me some good stuff. I'm not going to waste this time. What are you learning? What are you learning? And, and you know what? Most of what he talked to me about is communication, connecting emotionally, you know, the, the world's way of sex is like, hey, it's all physical and nothing else. But man, the best sex is when you're leaning into each other, when you're leaning into God, when you're enjoying each other, cultivating relationship and, and, and intimacy. And that way you're addressing issues. And man, then the physical intimacy can be phenomenal. And so I just want to free you up. I want to free you up, you know, uh, that, that, that man, you don't have to have that. There are very few restrictions that God puts in this area of our, our lives of ma married intimacy. And so don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you just, you know, well, once you get married, your sex life kind of goes to, to Monday. And we want to see all of us have great marriages. And so, friends, we've gone over a few minutes, but, but, but our heart for you, no matter where you are in your marriage, is that you would lean in. We want to help you lean in. And so if you're here with your spouse, I'd encourage you to lean in, grab their hand, and Lisa's going to pray for us as we close. Lord God, I thank you so much. Lord, you knew um, that every single person in this room would be here today. And so, Father, I just ask God that, um, Lord, you would do something in each person's heart, whether married or single. God, that you would speak directly to their heart, God. Let them know how much you love them, how much you adore them, how your plans for their life are good. They are to prosper. They are to give a hope and a future. And God, I just lift up every um, married couple in this room that is struggling, um, that is, is experiencing challenges in their marriage. God, we lift them up to you, God. We just, we pray, Lord, for courage. We pray, Lord, for courage if they need help to reach out and get help. Lord, that if... Um, Lord, they, there's certain things that they um, need to do. If it's reading a book together, starting date night, going away for a weekend, whatever it, it is, God, we just pray, Lord, you'd make a way. God, that you would, um, Lord, just, um, Lord, just lead them. Yeah. Lord, you, you are such a good father. You love us so, so much. And we are so, so grateful, God, for, for marriage, the way you designed um, designed marriage, God. We just love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, listen, we are going to respond and have some, some specific things for you guys to do. Uh, just would encourage you. I, I think about that day we went to Jerry and Lana McSwain's house, and I hope for some of you that, that you would walk away today with a little bit of hope to know it may be a process. It may take a little bit, but, but there is hope no matter where you are. 
And so our prayer teams are going to come forward. And, and here's what I would encourage you. Again, you don't have to be married to come up for prayer. Uh, you, 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 whatever you might be dealing with, we want to pray for you. But specifically, if you're a couple and maybe you're already leaning in, but you want to come up and just say, hey, would you pray? Elders of the church, would you pray over our marriage? Just God's blessing, God's protection. God, pray over our family, pray over our kids. Maybe you're in a really tough spot. Same thing, just to come up and go. Uh, we have done this so many times at marriage retreats, at, C- at Seacoast weekend services. Just have somebody pray for you. And again, it's just that, that little bit of hope, that little bit of a word of encouragement that, that our elders, our prayer teams would love to speak over you. You know, maybe we've brought up some issues today that, that are challenging. Maybe you're going through some tough, tough things. Maybe you've been through a divorce. And by the way, if you've been through divorce, we talk about how God hates divorce. We don't use it in our marriage. We try to, but, but listen, the reason he hates it is because he knows what kind of, how, how it hurts people, but he doesn't hate you. You, you, you are in a place where, man, there is so much hope and healing for your future. Uh, but wherever you might be, if there's a place of pain, I want to encourage you to go to the cross. And think about what Lisa and I did with the mistrust. We just buried it in the ground. An even better place to bury it is at the cross, to give it to Jesus. And Jesus, would you take this pain? Would you take this issue? Would you take this challenge? And, and Lord, would you replace the, the pain that comes with that, with your peace, with your joy? Would you help us move to a place of health? Maybe you know somebody who's struggling in this area or any other area. And I'd encourage you to go to the candles and just light a candle. Maybe you're with a spouse and you're separated right now, or they're not pursuing God. They're not leaning into God. And you light a candle. Say, God, would you pursue them? Would you help them to lean in to you? And then we're gonna sing. We're gonna celebrate. Some are gonna give their tithes and their offerings. A a, a God who created this thing called marriage. And in him, with his help, there's hope for all of us to have fantastic, great marriages where we're leaning in to each other. So what's God saying to you? And let's respond to him together.